Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. This is part two of our interview with Kristen Finney. If you haven't already, go back and listen to part one. It's full of terrific insight and context. Now, without further ado, part two of our HealthCast with Kristen Finney. The Empower program has engaged in a lot of really innovative work and technology over the past more than 10 years now. And I'm wondering if you can tell us more about how you have seen the program grow over that time since you've really been there since the very beginning. Yeah. So first and foremost, I think we saw just the start of big data. And I said, now I think we're so far down that road in such a short period of time when you think of it in context. Um, But we've made so many advances. And I think that is also a commitment from our partners at the state and local level. So first, we really thought this might have been just a data problem, like get them the data and then the problem solved. Then we realized that it was a translation and application of the data. So we needed to now help them understand in the context and lens of where they live and what resources they have for responding to a disaster and planning for one. How can you take this information and make it most efficient and effective and help basically protect your community even quicker in the disaster? And then we also started to get really great feedback, again, not just on the tools, but one of the best things that came back is everybody kept asking, well, it's Medicare data. So we represent predominantly the large portion of the 65 years of age and older, those that are uh, long-term disabled, to those that have um, end-stage renal disease um, and such. But there's also other disabled adults and also children that have these similar dependencies. And those individuals are predominantly usually covered or insured through the state-operated Medicaid and also child health insurance programs. So the first question came back was, you know, can you give us that data too? And, you know, federal government is a partner with those programs. um, And um, the Medicaid program is doing a phenomenal job of really building interoperability across the country through health information exchanges and through uh, new Medicaid modernization information systems and such to really build the fast capability of sharing that information in a protected environment. But we're not there yet, right? We've made advances, but do we have a nation capability to really trust that we have the same timely and accurate data? And we don't at the federal level consistently. So as a result of that, we were kind of stuck in a situation of saying, okay, how do we help? So here was a perfect example of what I can't do for you, but can I teach you? So we started to explore that. I had partners um, in Medicaid and said, how would we do this? And we realized we needed to basically develop a really detailed instruction manual of how to create the analytic framework. And then on top of that, how to write the algorithms and then make sure they have the code libraries. And if we gave them a recipe to create Empower in their own systems, you know, and that how to make the templates, could they produce it themselves? And then that way they would be able to bring their data to the table. They would have the Medicare data in the event of a disaster. But again, also encouraging them to make that de-identified, again, all privacy protected information out. So now they would be able to plan with adults, other disabled adults that we don't capture in Medicare and also children. So we went out to the uh, partners that we had and some of them are really innovative. 
It required us also creating new partnerships between the Medicaid agencies that are usually in a different department than the public health departments and agencies that do emergency preparedness and response. So we created partnerships. Um, we offered it as a pilot and um, said, if you want to do this, we're willing to teach you how to do it. Um, and it won't take much effort to do it because we figured out pretty much how to do it. There's some tweaks and stuff that you'll have to do with your own system. And we estimated working with some Medicaid experts that it would take maybe a programmer part-time for two weeks to be able to really create this. Um, so we went out and there's a number of states that took us up and are now creating those complementary Empower Medicaid and Child Health Insurance Programs data, a data set that they use also in the disaster. Um, for example, in the most uh, recent some disasters and the wildfires that were happening in Oregon, they were able to use their Medicaid data too to help protect lives and save lives, um, those individuals on the path of that um, rapidly advancing uh, wildfire. And that was of historic proportions. Over 500,000 people had to be evacuated for that um, in 2020. So that was really something that really lended to us that we realized, okay, now that's kind of the next frontier. And we started doing that in 2018, we had some really great success, you know, got a little slowed down with COVID. Um, everybody was a little bit busy, rightly so. Um, and we took it from there. But we also, I think, when looking at this from a long lens, you know, one of the things you have to say is, you know, when presented with other situations, you know, can this pivot, can it be used for other types of populations? So COVID um, really presented us with a challenge to understand. And we saw in it, older adults were predominantly at first, um, primarily um, adversely impacted by COVID, severe illness, hospitalization, and death in many settings. So we knew the Empower population as it was current were de definitively in the high-risk population, but we also knew as we were doing studies, CMS was doing studies in partnership with FDA and C CDC, et cetera, that they were very quickly developing an understanding of who was at highest risk. Mm -hmm. And they created a risk model that also built in equity, which is really important and an important conversation we're having about how we're actually addressing equity in all of our work across the department and across the uh, government. Mm -hmm. And we were, they were able to build rapidly design and have, again, an evidence base with that peer reviewed, a risk model that assessed the individual risk of every Medicare beneficiary. And you're talking about 62 million Americans. And um, they were able to produce that. Well, the question was, okay, what's next? And we realized this information would be critical to one, reducing health system surge by making sure that they were able to plan for their locations of therapeutics and also really inform their vaccination campaigns too. You know, do you know where your highest risk individuals are and can you help protect them by getting them medications and such and vaccine as quickly as possible to then also as an outcome of that, reduce the amount of likelihood of individuals having to be hospitalized and being severely ill and really protecting those at-risk individuals ahead of time. Well. Because we had built this platform and because we had done such incredible work with state and local partners across the country, they were used to Empower. Mm -hmm. So we were able to translate that risk model in two weeks into Empower tools, 
and created the Empower COVID at-risk population tools. And basically the same sets of data sets, but with more information telling them from the highest to lowest risk by zip code, where those individuals resided, and to support them in also conducting outreach. And that was just something that, you know, could we do it? We were able to do it, and we were able to do it from evidence base. So we used the best science and the best technology, and we delivered it in a consistent way that people had been, you know, softly trained over these years to using these tools to be able to apply it. And when I talked about before, you know, here you talked about LA County working with the city of LA fire departments and other fire departments, they have 88 incorporated cities. And they built that best practice with the city of LA, and they're now applying it with other cities across um, LA County. As soon as the vaccination campaign came up, the city of LA, they knew this data. So they they requested, they said, we need to partner, we need to do, we're going to do homebound vaccination programs, we would like to offer access. Mm -hmm. And they came to the table. So here we had a group of individuals that understood it in the context of a wildfire and how Empower could help. And now we were envisioning how Empower could help inform and support their vaccination and their planning and their outreach efforts for a pandemic. And I think that's really the success story that came out of it, is that we were able to pivot and in doing so built more confidence in how can we expand this in the future? How can we look to other at-risk populations? How do we bring it in a way that's understandable and can be addressed and and helpful to every community and all the while making sure that we're protecting privacy being respectful of those individuals um, but also helping them out um, on the worst day that might be happening in their communities and as you mentioned i mean those emergency managers were already familiar with your tool um, your tool already had the infrastructure in place to be able to do something like this that's a really Really great success story. And I think one of the other things that comes out of this, we've been talking about social determinants of health and power dependency really is in that box. Um, but we've also seen in the last years advances in health interoperability, health IT interoperability and standards and data sharing through health information exchanges. So, you know, I think when I think of Empower and its capabilities, I also think to health information exchanges and what um, that would look like as well as expanding access to other types of insurance data and other um, capabilities and disasters as well. And um, ONC and others have been doing phenomenal work with partners throughout the communities to do that. And, you know, in working with my partners in Medicaid, I've also worked with friends in ONC. So we've really kind of thought about this from lots of different lenses. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in the future for that too. What is next for the Empower program and how would you like to see it grow in the future? Right. So right now it's um, really taking our best practices that we learned from COVID. And um, we've been doing a lot more outreach, um, we're engaging with our partners to really start to understand um, other at-risk populations and start to understand other types of data sources that might be available. And, you know, those that are consistent, those that can give us a level of granularity that, you know, can be useful and helpful in taking action and planning well in advance of a disaster. So we've really been exploring that. Um, we are continuing to look at the advances in the Medicaid forefront and how that can be applied. Um, some of our partners have come to the table and said, you know, through their health information exchange work and also their efforts with Medicaid, et cetera, they're now building all payer data sets. So 
there's potential application for translating the Medicaid pilot into, you know, them being able to use it for an all payer to better, you know, get some of those other populations that are not the larger majority are covered by, but there's some still out there and maybe a little bit of the private sector insurance and such, not as much, but a little bit um, to round that out. Um, and really, you know, again, looking at other at-risk populations that we might be able to help bring in understanding and awareness and um, capture those best practices and bring them to the community members that need them to basically take action in their own community. I wanted to ask in the scope of the decade that you have spent with Empower, what about this mission excites you and what has kept you with this program for over 10 years now? I think first and foremost, being able to help those that are so at risk in the event of a disaster. We know these populations are um, unfortunately historically disproportionately impacted by disasters. I've had a long um, interest in chronic illness and worked in healthcare, and I have a passion for trying to help them, whether it's daily in access to care, but also in a disaster. But most importantly, I think the thing, I think the drive that has come through Empower is first and foremost the partners. I have worked with truly dedicated, innovative, creative, hardworking state and local partners that really just want to protect and help their community members and you know may not have been data experts may never have had experience working with data but were curious and appreciated my willingness to work with them wherever they were and through that i have had wonderful friendships and opportunities to work with them but i've also seen them take it and become, dare I say this, empowered <laughs> to go to the next step. And some of my some of my friends, and I call them friends because they are, um, have come back and said, you know, we now realize that we can do this. And now they're great, they're getting creative and they're also working across other agencies and realizing because we really kind of broke this down and gave it to them in a way that they could consume it and understand it and not be overwhelmed by it. They're now taking that and saying, how do I apply it to other types of data? And now they're becoming, you know, individual driven to look for more data to protect more at-risk populations in their community. They're working with different agencies that have different populations that they support. And it's also been a unifier too. I've also watched partners from everywhere from first responders, healthcare, aging and disability advocates, clearly public health at the table, forefront, National Guard, public utilities, um, health data, technology, um, you know, interests, even urban planners have come to the table and said, we need to be a part of this conversation. Um, some of the more recent realities, too, that we've come to bear is in the renewable. We've talked about this broadly in um, this administration, but building the capacity for looking at solar and storage across the country. Some of the nonprofits that have been working this area and have thought and you know how this could be creative and useful to helping um, communities, they suddenly, by learning about Empower, realized the millions of individuals that are dependent on access to power 
to protect their life and keep their machines running and and such, they could be candidates for solar and storage. What if that solar and storage that you think about, you know, being able to charge a car or your house now suddenly becomes what could be equivalent to what we see as a red outlet in a hospital, that it's there in case something's going on or suddenly they have no notice and their power goes out. What if they had that technology in their house and they could just readily plug themselves in and they knew that they had consistent power for three to five days and now it's a, it's a game changer. So even the energy sector has been looking into power for the past multiple years um, and also others in um, developing codes, life and safety codes in the fire department. They learned about this population and realize that we really need to start thinking about building codes for the future, what communities will look like now that we know that millions and millions of individuals can stay home and are happy at home, but they need to make sure that they have access to power and that their housing can support that, making sure that it's built protective, you know, with uh, protections in mind. So it's been a unique <laughs> example of like mm-hmm. all different streams that have come together in all different ways and technology. Um, Device manufacturers are thinking about signaling and how to bring part, you know, family members to be able to support backward um, through different applications. So it's uh, it's been something that's actually, I think, um, been able to basically start conversations in all different groups of people. And I think that's one of the best parts I've seen is just being exposed and being a part of that conversation and seeing creative ideas come from so many more and how this is advancing thoughts in so many different areas um and and science too that is amazing it sounds like the empower program is really sort of bringing people together not just for network building but also for maybe community building um and that's that's really incredible that's a very powerful thing to be able to do so like right now we think of how we're trying to retrofit to address the needs as individuals have this dependency and come into their homes you know, what if we're planning communities in the future that we just automatically anticipate those mm-hmm. access and functional needs? We make sure that our homes and our communities have that capability, that they're building recharging stations automatically um, into their communities so people can make sure their backup batteries charged and they can stay where they are, um, provided, you know, they're not in harm's way, but just need access to power. So there's lots of ways that we can accomplish that. And now those populations are starting to be at the forefront of that conversation instead of not known, like we, we learned at the beginning of this um, journey and first experience um, after 2012. There's so many amazing opportunities that you've mentioned here and also so many fantastic success stories. I'm really looking forward to continuing to follow this program. Is there anything else that you would like to add that we didn't get to touch on today? Yeah, I think, you know, just on final point, I think what most people don't think about is that to be really prepared for disaster and respond effectively, protect health and save lives. Everyone in the community needs to be involved. And I think everybody needs to, you know, really look at their community and see what they can bring to the table. Preparedness, emergency preparedness for your community belongs to every single person. Um, And I think uh, the luxury I've had working in this program and developing this program is that Empower has been there to help those communities. And I know that there's so many other federal resources too that have come to bear that are taking action to help communities across this nation, no matter where you are. 
be better ready to respond, but more importantly, proactively anticipate those needs and build in plans and such that can protect health way in advance before that disaster strikes. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a really wonderful conversation. Thank you again for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. That was such an information-packed episode with so many great insights and a lot of great stories. Before we wrap up the episode, Catherine, are there any last takeaways that you want to leave our audience with? I think the thing that really sticks for me is how there's really such an important opportunity here that folks saw and they were able to build a culture to sort of get to yes in order to build such a strong program for emergency response that we will, the need for this program will continue to grow as natural disasters and other emergencies become more prevalent. And also that they were able to use this infrastructure to pivot for a different kind of emergency, the public health emergency that was COVID-19. And a lot of their ability to do that, as Kristen said, sort of comes from that network building and even community building that they were able to accomplish both with their end users and with their collaborators and stakeholders. So I think that community building element really stood out to me. Yeah, community is always key in times of disaster. And it's really exciting to see HHS and Kristen Finney use Empower to bring communities together. So thank you, Catherine, for a great interview. We'll be back next week for a brand new HealthCast. But until then, that's all for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. I'm Alexander Bulova. I'm Catherine McPhail. Thank you for listening. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.